It's time for the View in Your Mirror podcast. I'm Katie Harms, and along with Lisa Rubin, we help you check in and curate the best possible you and the best view in your mirror. We share tips, tricks, and strategies from our 35 plus years in our respective industries. We talk about your day from morning to night and everything in between. We share our uniqueness, relish in our shared experiences. Along the way, we share conversation with fabulous people who give us their own thought-provoking insights. So come along as we help you hone the best view in your mirror. Lisa Rubin, hello. Hello, Katie Harms. Good to be back. Recording days, I look forward to it. I do too. You know, I have my pre-anxiety of recording, but it always ends up to be very positive anxiety, not negative anxiety. So what's the energy that you feel before you come on to record a podcast? The energy is generally very good. Unless I haven't talked to you before we're ready to record, I have a little bit of anxiety. But once I see your beautiful face and your smile, because you always smile, then I, I calm down a little bit. I don't make too many funny faces. No, you don't. I do though. My kids, uh, my kids, I actually asked them to stop saying this because it, it hit me the wrong way. They would, I would, they would say something to me or tell me something. And I have a very expressive face and there are times they'd look at me and say, mom, fix your face. Fix your (laughs) face. Fix your face. I'm like, what is my face doing? I'm just, I'm trying to react. So I, I would never be a good poker player, but I appreciate the compliment. Thank you. Speaking of energy, you mentioned that you just did a closet clean out. I did it for myself, actually. Uh, I practiced what I preach and I, I did it uh, the last couple of days. And I have to tell you that the energy that I received in my own closet, now that I got rid of all what I call the negative energy, the negative clothes, the things that you look at every morning and you think, why are those still in my closet? I removed them all. And it was so easy, even easier for me to get ready for today when I have three different things going on that I have to look three different ways. And it literally took me five minutes. And you're not changing three times, right? No, I'm only changing twice. I'm removing clothes for the second thing. Okay. But it was, I was, it was very easy for me to set it up. Did you dread doing it? I think oftentimes people dread going in like many things that, you know, you know, geez, do I really need to schedule this? Do I really need to do this? Do I really need to take the time and what's it going to benefit me? I can just push the clothes around for a little bit longer. Yeah, but you're speaking to someone that does this for a living. And, you know, in order for me to help my clients, I have to get in their closet and we have to do something like this, right? And the only reason why I set up my business like this is I want to make sure that I am ready to help them with the best energy they have in their closet. Because I don't want to just say, okay, what do we need to shop for, right? That's not my goal. My goal is to take what you have in your closet and use it to the best of its ability, get rid of what you're not using, and then we can always add things to your wardrobe. And so I just think it is so important for everybody to do this. And it does take time. It does. You have to be in the right mindset. I mean, I've gotten to people's houses before. (laughs) Let me back up. So I, I I got a new client a couple of weeks ago. 
And I was actually doing the closet virtually because she didn't live in the same state. And I gave her her homework assignment and she gets on and she says to me, okay, I did 75% of my homework. I just want to let you know that and her sister is a client of mine. And she said, my sister was an A plus student. I was always a B minus student. And I did my closet like a B minus student. So take it for what it is. And I just started laughing because I loved the honesty. I loved everything about what she said. It turned out she wasn't a B minus. She was a B plus. But when we got done with her closet and we got rid of everything that she'll never wear, she had very little clothing left in her closet. And she first went, oh, my God, what am I going to do? And then I got a text later that night and it said, Lisa, I can't thank you enough for getting rid of all of that bad energy in my closet. So I think people have to go through the process and they're not going to realize the difference until they actually do it. And then along with the energy comes fear, right? Because as you said that you got rid of so much, there wasn't a lot left in her closet. I think that's a fear that people have if they're going to go through this. What am I going to have left? But if you think about it, what percentage are you actually wearing in there anyway? So if you're left with what you're actually wearing, you've just taken all that negative energy out of there and you've allowed for newness to come in. Exactly. Absolutely. I did another one on Monday with a client and we got rid of a lot. And it's, it was all folded very nicely because I always fold the stuff if I'm with them. And I said, okay, here's the deal. When I leave, you need to bag that stuff up. You need to decide who you're going to either donate it to, sell it, give it to a friend. But don't you dare get in bed tonight and look at that pile. Because what happens is that people do that and they sit and stare at it and they go, oh, I don't know. Maybe I should put those black pants back in because I don't have black pants I have to wear. I'll just put them back in my closet until I find a pair of black pants. And the next thing you know it, you've got five to 10 items that were in that pile back in your closet. And guess what? You will never wear those items. So it's a really, really good thing for everybody to do. And spring is a great time to do it because you've just gone through winter. We just went through winter where a lot of people were maybe 60 to 70% back to what they were before COVID. Get rid of the stuff you didn't wear. Donate it. Give it to a friend. Give it to another work coworker that you think might really like it. And then you'll see them wearing it and you'll feel good about it. But do something because having your closet like that the way it is, it's not helping you in any way. It does not start your day with the right intent. It does not, it does not end your day with the right intent. Right. There are some people in the world who function better in clutter. I don't know many of those people. I know that clutter in my life has never enhanced it. And what's really interesting is that sometimes you don't even realize how much clutter there is until you change your view of the space you're looking at. And this goes with your closet. It goes with the rest of your home. It goes with your kitchen. It goes with your utensil drawers. It goes with all of it. Let's go back to the closet for a minute because we talked about this before and I don't want to miss it. Hangers. Oh my God. It's my biggest <laughs> pet peeve. I mean, it is my biggest pet peeve. If I am 
at a, a new client's house or a client's house, and we're going to do this together. The first thing I do is I go into the closet and I remove all of the empty hangers that are in between everything in their closet because it drives me crazy. It takes up space. It takes up, it looks, it's cluttered. You wonder what was on those hangers? Why are they even there? And it feels, it just feels wrong. So I asked someone to get a garbage bag and we're just going to remove all the hangers and we're going to put them in a bag. And then we're going to start in your closet. Yeah, it's amazing how much space you pick up that way. I have gotten into the habit of when I pick out what I'm wearing, I have a garment valet that that I pull out and I put whatever I'm wearing on the garment valet. And then I, I dress that way. And then after I'm done, I either leave the hangers hanging on the garment valet if it's a jacket that I'm going to put back on, if it's not something that's necessarily going to go to the laundry right after I'm done wearing it. But let's say it's going to the laundry when I'm done wearing it. I have a little section of hangers that I take out and I don't put the hanger back. I don't pull the clothes off. Well, that's not true. I will sometimes pull the clothes. Let's just say it's a blouse, a pullover blouse. I'll I'll pull that off the hanger that's still hanging on the rod. But then I'll take that hanger out and I'll put it into, I have a little dedicated hanger section. So I do keep a couple of hangers because there's always things that are in the laundry or whatnot, right? So I do have some hangers that are empty in my closet, but that's the section of hangers. So when I go through my clothes, I don't have 10 empty hangers in between the clothes that are hanging there. That's exactly what I do. I have a little section. That's very easy to get to because if you go to the dry cleaners, you take yourself to the dry cleaners, you bring it back. I change out those hangers because I want nicer hangers on my clothes because some of the clothes you might not wear again for a while. You know, if you're dry cleaning at the end of the season or the beginning of the season. So I have a little corner dedicated in my closet where I have a dozen hangers of, you know, hangers, a little clip hangers or pant hangers that I always have there that I can switch out. As a matter of fact, when I get ready in the morning, I take the hanger that I use for my clothes and I put it back right in that corner. Right. So I don't even have hangers now that I think about it. I don't even have hangers hanging anywhere because hangers drive me crazy. (laughs) Do you have a particular hanger you like or do you have different hangers for different things? I have different hangers for different things. And actually my favorite pant hanger, they don't make anymore. So I covet it. Well, we don't want to talk about that one because nobody can get it. So you're going to have to look for a replacement and then let us know about that. Do you use the felt covered hangers? Yes, I do. The thin felt cover. And you know what? I think that everyone's doing a good job with those. I mean, you can go to Target and buy the $3 package of 10 or whatever. They're fine. They're perfectly fine. If it's thin, if it's felty, it's perfect. The one thing I will say, I make sure that those hangers can twist both ways. Yes. Some of the very inexpensive ones do not twist. Yeah. The hook hook on the top. Yep. I ran into that the other day and boy, was that frustrating. Right. It, it snaps it right off. Yep. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So there's a little hanger tutorial. I suppose we should have called our podcast closet talk. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe this Um, episode. I really think people need to take the time and do it. And And to be honest, I tell people, you know, if you're in a really bad mood or you're having 
just a frustrating day, it's a really good time to clean your closet out. If you're in a really good mood and on a high and life is great, you won't get rid of half of your stuff. And I tell that to clients. I say, you know, I don't really want to come over if you're like having the best day ever and you're on a high because (laughs) it will be painful to try to have you get rid of some stuff that you don't need. And by the way, everybody, bathing suits, which we are going to be having a podcast coming up talking bathing suits. But this is a really good time to get rid of all the bathing suits that you will never wear again or that are worn out, rusty, whatever they are. They take up space in a drawer. Get rid of them. And you can't donate them. So get rid of them. Absolutely. And do it quickly and don't think about it. Put it in a bag. Don't look at it. (laughs) Have those bags ready. (laughs) Very, very good advice. You know, we're talking efficiencies, right? And how we use our space, how we set ourselves up to get ready for the day. We're talking energy. And those two things I think are very important to our podcast guest today. Our guest is Ann Head. She is the owner of a certified women-owned business, which we're going to talk about with her, Head Cycling. She founded it together with her late husband, Steve, And Anne herself was a professional triathlete competing worldwide through the 1980s. And her life has taken many twists and turns and down paths I'm sure she had never anticipated. Now her kids are involved in the business with her. This is a Minnesota business operating in Roseville. And Anne is a delight to talk to. So I'm super excited to have Anne join us. With that, we're going to take a quick break for commercial comeback and welcome Anne Head. Are you ready to elevate your jewelry and gift buying experience? Then you need Continental Diamond. Since 1981, Helene and Jimmy Pessis have been operating Continental Diamond. Their staff is highly trained, exceptional, and have been with them for many years, and they will help you find the exact right gift. For the past 13 years, Continental Diamond has been named Minnesota Bride's Best Jeweler. Beyond engagement rings, they have a large selection of fashion jewelry, timepieces, and they have one of the most experienced service departments around. You can visit them online at continentaldiamond.com. Go in and give yourself the gift of that experience. It's a special place located just 10 minutes west of downtown Minneapolis, right outside the West End. Plan your visit. Continental Diamond. Continentaldiamond.com. Anne Head, thank you so much for being with us. You are looking at an incredible upcoming season. And when I say season, I'm talking about triathletes. Is that the right word? No, I'm talking about triathletes doing triathlons. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) And that's where you started. So from that start to where you are now, give us a little rundown of where you've been. Sure. So first of all, I'm, I'm really excited to finally be talking to Katie and Lisa. We've been trying to get together for a while. So, um, (laughs) but you know, my story's long, but we'll, we'll keep parts of it short. So, you know, head cycling has really been the leader in bicycle innovation for years, uh, you know, since 1984, when, when we first started making wheel and that love of, of bike wheels came from my love of triathlon. So I had qualified for the Hawaiian Ironman triathlon in 1983. And I didn't have a bike sponsor and I didn't really have any money. And, you know, all it took was a friend of mine saying, there's this guy named Steve Head who owns this bike shop. 
on grand performance and go, go ask him, maybe he'll help you. And, and, you know, he, he gave me the whole hundred dollars, which back then was a lot still is. And, you know, that was my entry fee into the Hawaiian Ironman triathlon. So he was watching races over in Europe, the tour and, and all kinds of other world wrecking races. And, and he saw this guy, Francisco Moser break the hour record. And he thought to himself, well, I can make those wheels that he was riding. So he literally just basically went into his garage and, and birthed the first disc wheel and gave me the second one. So, you know, that wheel traveled around the world doing races. And I I didn't win all kinds of races, but this one guy did. And, you know, people wanted more of them. Just like today in racing, people want to ride what athletes are riding and winning on. So, you know, we, we started dating and I saw a race and the first prize was a car. So uh, I, I went to that race and lo and behold, I won that car and went to the bank. Imagine a little 21 year old girl going to bank asking for money, but I got the title of the car to the banker and he handed me a $14,000 check, which I gave to Steve. So the infancy of the, of the company started from my love of triathlon and Steven's innovative, amazing brain. So fast forward to now, I will be traveling quite a bit. First of all, we've got the Tour de France. Uh, which is in July. And we are fortunate to be on a pro cycling team called Astana. And that race will have some pretty amazing folks on it trying to beat a world record for the for the most ever wins. That's Mark Cavendish. But the following month or two later will be the Ironman. The men's race will be in Nice this year. Uh, and we sponsor four or five of the top men in the world that are ranked and the women's race because Kona just got too crazy last year with too many athletes will has been divided and the ladies race will be in Kona three weeks later. So I will be on a whirlwind starting July through October. And any wheels in the ladies race? In the Tour uh, Femin, which is called, it's a ladies tour. Unfortunately, at this time, we do not have a, a ladies team riding our wheels. We are working hard to get on a ladies team. It is a one-week race. So at this present time, we don't have women, uh, which is unfortunate. I would love to say that we do. Sometimes we see our wheels spattered in the time trials, but I don't always know because what happens is they're unbranded, to be honest with you. Um, but as far as the ladies in the Ironman, we have several women that have led the race. Last year, we had uh, Lauren Brandon, who led the race for quite a bit on the bike. Lauren's an amazing cyclist and swimmer. Uh, we had Josh and McCulley. I think that came off the bike in fifth. So we have a very strong women's field also. And I got to believe it's not a decision that's made solely by the athlete themselves. They have while this is a very individualized sports, they have teams that come together and determine what's going to happen. So that's got to be a lot of work on your part too, to make sure people know who you are and why they should be using your product. I think the beauty of it is I, I realized how difficult it was to get sponsors when I was racing professional. And I, I really have a hard time saying no. And sometimes that's, that's tough just because I I was that young girl asking other people to sponsor me. And and it's hard, you know, to to go to a big company or even a small company. And my first sponsor here locally was uh, back then US Women Fitness, which is now Lifetime Fitness. Um, I had Mizuna Running Shoes, which is still a wound, and Chippewa Springwater. So I used to wear 
that along with grand performance on my little jersey um, and, and represent them. But I know how difficult it is to get a sponsorship to get money also. So most of these people come to me and ask, you know, I have been doing this long enough that, you know, I get to a point where in the fall, I have to say no, because I just can't handle anymore. And we're a small company compared to a lot of the bigger companies. But, you know, I think that they understand the innovation. Several our wheels have several patents. So a lot of our wheels are patented on a shape. So they come to us after they've done lots of wind tunnel testing and and know that ours is very, very fast. So now I want to go back because you and Steve had a partnership that was pretty incredible. You were a little more forward facing and Steve was a little more creative mindset, correct? Well, yeah, Stephen, Stephen was the face of the company as if it was, Steve, you know, it was Steve Head until I married him, which was in 1990. I loved being behind the scenes. I loved the infrastructure of taking a wheel. And I used to place and build them and, and, and do all that true. But watching something, working with your hands um, and taking carbon fiber and aluminum and, and forming these raw materials into something that achieves Olympic titles and Ironman records and just the whole creative process of taking something raw and putting it on the fastest athletes in the world and then letting it set records has been really the joy that I find. That's incredible. You talked about this Ironman, there's a product that that you have birthed. Pretty much feel like I have. Yes. So you, you, you don't, like I want to say, sometimes you just don't forget things that have struck something with you. So whether it's good or bad, and and you know, I had been over in Kona in I think it was eighty four, eighty five, and I had come from a race in Japan, and I had one of our disc wheels, so it would have been eighty five, and I was training on the course, and a and a person on a scooter got up to me and said, "You're not supposed to be on a course with the full disc wheel." you should get off the course. And I, I was training and, and I felt, I just said, well, I, I, I don't have another wheel. Steven's coming and this is the only wheel I have. And he said, well, you're going to get blown off the course. So I, I wasn't getting blown off the course. And uh, you know, you think about it almost what, 35 years later or longer or 40, whatever <laughs> COVID stopped the Ironman for two years. So there was no Kona and I had wanted to do something special. And I literally, again, I think it was just a gift from Steve. I was sitting in a meeting with my engineers and operations, Lady Catherine and my other staff. And and I said, I got it. I know what I want to do. I want to take a wheel that we currently make and go as deep as we can. So it's not a full disc wheel, but it's almost a disc wheel. And we we rallied and and within a couple of weeks, we had a mold and we took a part off. And I'm like, Oh dear, what if I made this and they don't allow it? Like this is, this is all this work and energy. And and just so you know, in our factory, if I could just walk you through a little tour, we have all the machinery and tooling. So we tooled all this in house. We have a five axis CNC. We got the aluminum, we CAD it, we did it all. And within three weeks we had a completed part. So I called Ironman and I said, will you allow this? And it was the lawyer. And basically it wasn't a full disc wheel. It was 180 millimeters deep. And he said, if you show up here with that, it's allowed. So I made six for women and six for men. And the ladies went first. 
and they had a great race. And, you know, I didn't have, I didn't have anybody in the top 10 with it overall, but when the men's race came, this little guy from France, Sam Laidlow took off on it and he came off six whole minutes ahead of every other male, which is a huge course record. Had the third fastest time and had a couple other guys in the top 10. So it it absolutely revolutionized the industry for wheels. And it has been a great product for us. My goal is to get it on the starting line in the Tour de France, not just for the time trial. So I've said all that over there, but it it is such a complicated decision that it's now gone to the World Sporting Federation in, in France. I mean, in Switzerland, they they have not committed to letting me use it there yet. This is incredible. I want to back up for a second. What was your background? Do you have an engineering background? No, I, I'm a school of hard knocks. So when I saw the Hawaiian Ironman on TV, I was in college. I was going to Augsburg and uh, believe it or not, I, I wanted to be a doctor. I I was taking some classes there and then I saw Julie crawl across that finish line and it it was, you know, because I had done a few triathlons, but I wanted to, to be a professional triathlete. So I became a professional triathlete and then started this business. And everybody asks, are you in an engineer or was Stephen an engineer? And Stephen went to Bethel, a small Christian school here that both my children eventually went to and had a history literature degree. I mean, neither of us came from anything remotely <laughs> engineering or entrepreneurial. It was all just day by day learning the hard way, to be honest with you. I wish I would have had some of that, to be honest with you. I have lots of folks helping me now and have engineers on staff. Well, you've had an innate sense of things, but you talk about this wheel that Steve came to you. Talk a little bit about that because not everyone knows that Steve passed. Sure. Gosh, if if you could have met him. <laughs> I mean, I think the most warming thing to me is is when I travel the world or go to any race, they talk about this amazing kind individual who was Steve. So, you know, Steve and I eventually married in 1990. So we had actually uh, owned a business together, owned a small home in uh, in Minnesota in White Bear that had a, a zone commercial garage so we could build wheels out of our garage and, you know, ended up having two children, uh, Andrew and Rebecca. And, you know, things were going quite beautifully. We had pretty much been known as the pioneers of the bike wheel industry for years. We invented uh, the very first carbon fat rim. So if you see people buzzing around here on those nice fat rims, we we have that and patented that. And that was in 2013. But, you know, we've worked along a lot of bike companies in the past where they put our wheels on their, their bikes. And one company called Cervelo, which is a very well-known, respected brand, contacted us in 2013. 14 and asked if we would make a bike frame here in the U.S. Just so folks know, 95 or 96 percent of all carbon fiber manufacturing in the cycling industry is done out of the USA. It's very rare to do something here in the U.S. So we we said, sure, you know, this would be really cool. It's something we've never done before. It was a huge undertaking, honestly, but Stephen was up for it and really had the desire to make a frame for this company. And when the um, engineers arrived that day to see the prototype that that Stephen was working on, 
and he showed the very first part that came out, which was a small scaled frame, but it was a one piece molded frame, which is very difficult to do. Stephen was elated. It, it worked. It, it came out of the mold done. The company was super excited and said, let's go into production. We, we want to continue with this. Uh, I was actually picking up my daughter from school that day when he called me and it was absolute complete joy in his voice. Like this is, this is an amazing day in my life. I'm so grateful that we can do this. Unfortunately, the next conversation I had was with an employee saying Stephen had collapsed outside of work. And four days later, he passed because he had uh, what we figured out later was a heart virus. So my last conversation with Steve was in 2014, and he passed away. And it, it, I had to really dig in my faith. Uh, I talk about that a lot, that had I not had that wonderful conversation with him, there, there's no way I would have made that frame. But I felt a push from above and I moved forward, picked up the entire company three weeks later and moved into a 25,000 square foot building here in Roseville. I don't know how I did it. Absolutely uh, was living in a cloud, but I did. And uh, we were able to debut a dozen of those bikes in the Hawaiian Ironman in 2016, because it took us a while to get that up and running. And it was a real, a real moment in my life to be able to know that I could move forward with the project. And I think Stephen was, had his hand in that, just like he had his hand in this wheel. I absolutely know that idea. It, it just popped from the sky. It was just an immediate thought. So it was beautiful. Incredible. Thanks. Yeah. It was, you know, I'm, I'm without him, but I'm not alone. You know, I think, I think that's what people have to understand that I have my son, Andrew, working alongside me every day here, doing a lot of the OE and the marketing. My daughter, even though she's a, an art teacher, she does a lot of the marketing and design work for me. So I have both of them here also. You have an amazing collaborative spirit about you. It comes from my faith. There, there is no way, there is no way I would be having this conversation or I could have moved forward without really believing in, in one day we will be together again. There is just absolutely no way. Well, belief in a higher power is yeah. definitely a thread that comes through a, a lot of, and I don't care what faith you are. Right. I, I just think that that's, that's an important part. We're going to take a break and we're going to come back and we're going to lighten it up a little bit. Let's do that. Stay with us. We are with Bridget Edwards from Sheer Brothers Custom Closets. Tell us what sets Sheer Brothers Custom Closets apart from the many other options people have both online and locally. Well, I think the biggest thing is that we've been around for almost 30 years. We started up in 1995, and what this means is that we'll be there if you want to add to your project on the line. Sheer Brothers Custom Closets is not a franchise. What does that mean? I think the biggest thing is that our manufacturing facility is located in the same building as our showroom and offices. So this allows for great communication and latitude between manufacturing and design. Some companies have to limit their selections, shelf depths, and drawer depth, among other things. We offer complete customization without the added cost. Because we use optimization in our manufacturing process, you simply pay for the material that you use. Since we manufacture everything locally, 
our prices are very competitive. What's the best way for people to initiate working with Shear Brothers? The best way is either to call or you can go onto our website and from there a designer will be in touch with you and we'll get the process started. The website is shearbrosclosets.com. Phone number is 763-531-7400. And what's the usual time between contact and setting up an appointment? We try to give you a call or email back within 24 hours at the absolute most. I would have to say that Shear Brothers Custom Closets helps you get your zen on. Great way to put it. I love that. We are back with Ann Head, Head Cycling. What's your actual title? What do you go by? President, owner, CEO? You know, I guess I go by CEO. I, um, once, once I realized that I needed to run this company, uh, one of the first things I, I did is I was already in a CEO roundtable. So I was working with the Economic Gardening Committee, which is a, a funded roundtable here in, in the cities. And I went to one of my meetings and the first meeting after I had gone, after Stephen had passed, there was this amazing ray of sunshine, Chris Naylor, who is a traction implementer. So traction is an entrepreneurial organizational system. And we hit it off. And I started that system within a month later. It really is a system that puts the right people in the right seat because I knew I could not do this alone and I wanted to hire somebody who knew what they were doing. Uh, so CEO <laughs> is my 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 title, but again, I, I do all kinds of things. It's It's kind of just a title. Yeah. Now let's talk, you have become or became... I think it's been a while, a certified women-owned business, which is no small feat. And I know I said we'd talk about, we'd lighten things up, but give us, give us a little bit of input into how that went. Sure. So I, I, I wanted to become a women-owned certified business because I, I had this inner feeling like it could maybe open some doors or you know, uh, I love innovation. I thought if I wanted to venture out of the cycling industry someday, that this would be helpful. So it is, it is a bit of a feat. Um, you, you have to pretty much tell them your whole life story. I mean, which is fine. You have to provide them with all your financials, all kinds of documents. I would say, I don't know, pages and pages of document. It's, it's, it's mostly done online. I needed to get my lady lawyer to help me get a lot of it prepared. Certain papers had to be notarized. Certain papers had to be checked on. I mean, it was, it was a, it was a bit of a feat, but they even actually come to your business and make sure you are female. And, you know, I mean, they physically come out and, and make sure you're doing the day-to-day operation you know, you're over your 51% or higher uh, ownership of the company, you know, so once I I truly did become women certified business women owned, I'm proud of it because this 180 wheel that we talked about, there is a decal on it that even says made in Minnesota certified business woman owned, you know, so I want people around the world to know that women have a skill set that we can invent, we can create products and that we should all be proud of that. So most of my expos that I go to, my daughter designed, you know, those posters that you put at a booth and, and it and it says made in Minnesota, women owned. And and 
I can't tell you how many folks have walked up and, and, and said, you know, I didn't know that. First of all, I didn't know you're made in Minnesota and I didn't know your last name is really on the wheel and that's you. So I think to put a face with an inventor or a business owner helps, but every year now, yeah. So every year now you, you get to resubmit your paperwork. It's nowhere near as difficult. You just have to update a few things and in the, in the fees quite reasonable. So I would highly recommend other women to, to join on with that because you, you know, you do get a network of women that you can lean on if you need to. That's amazing. When you thinking about your business and I, I have to believe that being women owned and being in that leadership position, you can look at things in a new way. You have a different viewpoint of what your employees need short of the standard management in a box. Nothing. I'm, I'm not trying to take away from, from men in general mm-hmm. on leadership, but businesses have, have been built on a thought process for so many years that it's almost exhausting. Um, one of my daughters said, I'm taking off a day this week because my company, which is women led is insisting that we all take a personal health day once every quarter. Mm, sure. And so things like that, what have you implemented? I mean, mental health is such a strong component that's being talked about more now. Um, the expectations of how people work or what's, you know, you still have work to do. You're still in the business of making money, uh, but it goes beyond that. What have you really seen that you've been able to shift in a positive way? Well, I think, I think covid changed a lot for a lot of us. I mean, I, I was fortunate that I was in the transportation business. So we only shut down for a week and a half and we're up and running and and have been running ever since just because we are really making transportation for folks. But I think what, what I wanted to do, and it wasn't that Stephen wasn't doing it is I think as women, we try to be motherly (laughs) or we're moms. And with that, I think it's really important that I provide a skill to my employees. So that skill brings all kinds of impacts, meaning, you know, I pay a livable wage. We have a very good health and dental program. We have access to a 401k. We have, uh, honestly, we have a 24 seven nurse line that I pay for per employee and it's for the entire family. So whether it's an employee's wife and it's a child and it's, this is separate from their healthcare. If they have a health crisis, if they have a mental health crisis, there's somebody available to them separate from the health insurance, because, you know, the pandemic was a health crisis for all of us. And just to be able to provide an income and a safe place to work, you know, and and part of that safe place that we have here is we welcome lots of different folks, you know, of all different backgrounds. And I think that's what women do, you know, and we lead by example. So it's just not talk the talk. You know, we not only have the diversity we have here at work, but my athletes are very diverse. You know, we have athletes 
of color, we have the first ever Downs athlete, Chris Nickett, who, who finished the Hawaiian Ironman. We have the first non-binary athlete, Rach McBride. Cody Beals is our queer athlete. And, and I'm, 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 I'm happy about the ability to provide equipment for all folks because I think sport brings a lot together. It sure does. Because even as in, you know, we talk about women led men led, we are all people. And so for us, it's what we're doing on the podcast. We're finding the commonalities in all of us and celebrating them and whatever our labels are, we can still come together, have conversation and learn from one another and lift each other up. Yeah. And I think, um, the other reason that I think, uh, the becoming women business owned is, you know, I love making wheels. Uh, I've, I've branched out and, and in the past even had made a little medical device for um, a blood pressure kit and we'd made a saddle for somebody else. But about a year ago I had a mammogram. Um, And of course all us ladies love those, don't we? Not. (laughs) (laughs) And um, on a mammogram machine, the base is, 3K carbon fiber. It's what we make bike wheels out of. And for years on years, I've been looking at that carbon fiber. And I'm like, I talked to the text. Well, this is, you know, carbon fiber. And they're like, they, they're like, what are you talking about? And I said, well, that's what we make bike wheels out of. And so, you know, you have your mammogram and I don't want to say her name was Olga, but it felt like an <laughs> Olga. <laughs> and um, I'm like, this needs to change. So I walked out of that that room. And there was another lady sitting there and, and I go, you're next. And she goes, hun, I guarantee you that some guy invented that machine. And and again, out of the blue, I had this thought and I'm like, I, I think I have an idea. So I came to my office. I drew something up. I called my patent attorney and I have patent pended a medical product for a mammogram machine that I believe will A, make mammograms a lot more comfortable and B, hopefully get a better image. What have I done with it, Katie and Lisa? Not much. This is this time thing. I, 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 I want, like I said, becoming women business owned, venturing into the medical space. I don't know hardly anything or where to go next, um, but it's a dream of mine to make this device. Okay. If I could tell you, if I could tell you the, the goosebumps I have all over my entire body right now, I, this is the second time in having conversation with you. (laughs) Uh, You have put that out. You have into the universe, into the universe, and it's going to happen. I am literally vibrating right now that this is going to happen. And Wow. Thank you for sharing. I mean, first of all, we're, I'm going, yes, we need this so badly. Yeah. And for all of us women, but just, yeah, to have the courage to even talk about it where it's in a, where it's at, but also having the smarts and everything you've done to this point has brought you to the point of knowing, first of all, you're going to go get that patent and you're going to get that secured because everything else will flow from that. Yeah, I, I get goosebumps when I think about it because, you know, when when you said become women business owner at first, I'm like, you know, somebody maybe wanted me to make a drone part or, you know, could I do something military or could I do something environmentally? And I think what 
I've learned over the last few years is I have to do what's my passion. And my passion is something in the cycling industry, but we have all, all had cancer in our family. Most women know of another female, my, my, my sister has, and thank gosh, she's fine. But I mean, my, my dream is to do something medical too. And this, this was just, again, it, it's, it's, it's in its infancy. You know, I prototype something. It's, it's, it's going to happen one day when I honestly don't know, because again, we had talked about finding the time and the energy, and this is completely in a different sector of life, but being a woman and maybe um, finding somebody in that space and wanting to work alongside another female, but being a female, having those mammograms, going through how many of them, and they're not very fun. So um, my mother was the director of Susan G. Komen here in Minnesota for 35 years. Oh, my. Um, And so I, as a young girl, through my adult life, she just recently retired two years ago at the age of 82. Um, I have lived and breathed breast cancer. Um, women's breast cancer. My sister, my youngest sister is a two-time breast cancer survivor. And so maybe uh, I can give you a few people's names that might be able to at least guide you on the path. Oh, that would be wonderful, Lisa. I mean, I, you know, this device that I, I've created and, and patent pended, I mean, uh, it needs to go on a mammogram machine. I don't make mammogram machines, you know, so, yeah. you know, maybe together offline, we can chat about that, yes. but it's, it is a dream and, 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 and you have to have the desire to do it. And, you know, this, this speaks miles ahead of making a widget that can go on a race car or something, you know, this is something that's true to me. So when, when, when people come to me, Hey, will you make this widget for, and I have nothing against race cars, you know, but it's not, it wouldn't drive my desire you know, and I think most innovation happens when you a have a tragedy or you've had something push you over, or you've had this adversity and you, you get past it and then you get creative and innovate. Most of the innovations are through a hardship. If you ask me, you got to find a solution for something that's caused a need. Yes. We, yes, we definitely can talk online, offline. And um, I don't have names myself, but I could reach out to my mom mm-hmm. and just maybe be able to give you some people's names, including her name with it, that you can talk yeah. to them. Sure. That would be wonderful. See, it was yeah. meant to be. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. That's what I'm All saying. You I put that some, out in the universe. Go ahead, Lisa. I have some fun, crazy questions. Sure. What do you think your superpower is? I think my superpower is overcoming adversity and carrying on, you know, I mean, I, I've had several things in my life that, you know, have, have beat me down, you know, and, and I've just had um, the faith to carry forward. I mean, I, I think the adversity is there with everybody. It's just how you react and carry forward with them. So I, I, I think through my faith and carrying on that way has been my superpower. That's it. That's I, I, in just the little bit of time that I've listened to you, I, I would agree with that. That's wonderful. Um, if you weren't doing this, okay. If you, if this didn't happen, is there something else that 
you think maybe you would be doing? I know that's a kind of a crazy question, but. Well, if, if, if I hadn't told you about my, my invention for helping women in breast right. cancer, then I would have said that, but I already sneaked that one out on you. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, I, I think, um, you know, I have, I have supported women venture. I love uh, working alongside younger women and, and helping or direct their, their answers. So, you know, if I go speak somewhere or I've, I, I go to a, a triathlon and, and I, and I talk with young girls, you know, I, I think that, you know, just being able to guide them because I, I had, I didn't have a business degree. I didn't have an engineering degree. And, and had you told me 30 years ago, Annie, go join a CEO roundtable. go ask for help. It's, it's, it's okay. If you don't know how to do this, there's, there's people that would be out there to help you like that, like now, like there's so many opportunities for women in business. You know, I would help, you know, younger, young men or women who want to start their own business and, and give them some of the, the mistakes I've made that have only made me learn a better way to do it. This is to, to help young innovators because without innovation, my company certainly wouldn't be here. And, and we need to continue to work with these younger folks and, and work alongside them. And that also, let's talk a little bit about your kids. Um, so you mentioned you have a, a son and a daughter and are, are they both interested every day? And I think your son works alongside of you and you mentioned your daughter is a teacher, but are they, do they cycle? I mean, are they sure is that part of their exercise routine or so yeah Andrew has been on a few podiums in his life he has done some triathlons and duathlons uh he he more so works alongside me daily with uh some of our our wheels will go on larger uh wheel company uh, bike companies you know currently we have several here in the US that we work alongside he's kind of the contact for that uh he like every, every mother needs a social millennial kid to help with their Instagram. <laughs> oh my gosh. I just hand him the phone half the time. Luckily the camera works on here. He'll see what have been in here. Um, you know, he's a sales guy. He just really loves networking and, and, you know, hearing from other folks about some of the cool stuff and the stories from his father's and he just, he just enjoys it. And I love having him here. He doesn't live with me. My daughter, uh, is uh, they're both graduates of Bethel. Andrew was in media communication and videography. Rebecca, fine art degree. But I told her, if you're going to be an artist, you need a business degree. So she got that and got a call from her high school, Concordia Academy, and and they hired her as a part-time art teacher and she loves it. Uh, And now she's getting her master's in teaching. But Rebecca has a little bit more of the drive for doing some triathlons like I did. She did her first half Ironman a couple of years ago. She's training right now for the Ironman and for the uh, age group nationals in Milwaukee. Um, you know, it's, it's not like me traveling around the world. She's, she's competitive, but she's a, an amazing artist. She takes a wheel that we've manufactured and has won Tour de France races, their three-spoke wheel. It makes beautiful art out of it. She's just won a big scholarship with Taco Bell. So her master's is paid for. It's always great when your kids are in college, out of college and have a job and get, get some kind of scholarship. So, um, 
yeah, so it's it's really beautiful that I get to work alongside both of them. That's incredible. What a special story. And I know it has taken us a while and we met through, I was trying to think of the first time we met. I think we had a conversation because of a shared, um, a shared, what would we want to say? Was it a shared <laughs> friend who had Lyme, I think? Was it yes. over Lyme disease? We were yes. Over Lyme yep. disease. We bonded yep. over Lyme disease mm-hmm. and Ugh. going through the process of figuring out and how to heal ourselves really from that. And, you know, when we talk about all the things that we go through in life and what brings you to certain people and, and where those connections are made, that uh, something of adversity, again, came out of a really special connection. And I can't thank you enough for being with us. We're going to shift and we're going to go to your nonprofit, which surprise involves a wheel. <laughs> of course it does. <laughs> so, um, Again, small world. My uh, son was at North Heights Christian Academy and Terry Swa came and spoke. Uh, he had just written a book called Surprise Me God, I think it was called. And he somehow figured out Andrew, because he talked about cycling a lot, and he figured out that uh, Andrew was part of the head family. He gave me, this is such a small world. He gave me, Andrew, that book. Katie, when I was struggling with Lyme, I read that book. That's what got me through it. And so he's written a couple other books, but he had then started uh, Free Bikes for Kids. And uh, we have helped with that nonprofit. I've physically gone to the Mall of America and put helmets on young kids that needed help, you know, uh, getting a new bike and and fitting them on a bike. And it is an absolutely fantastic organization. He's brought it countrywide now. And um I just love working alongside free bikes for kids. Well, and it doesn't take much to figure out what free bikes for kids means, but it's passionate about the well-being of children. Free bikes for kids, which is the number four and kids has a Z on the end, brings communities together to sustainably furnish bikes to kids in need, providing a pathway to health, happiness, and opportunity. So free bikes for the number four kids with a Z dot org is that organization. And it did start in Minnesota and you can go on their website and see where they are. Uh, They have given away a million, their their goal is to give away a million bikes by 2027. So it is amazing, you know, us being really into a sustainability, um, be cleaning out our closets and spaces and all of that. Everyone has a couple bikes sitting around and this is a great organization from which to to donate. Last thing, if if people are interested in getting a hold of you, I know you speak to organizations. If they're interested in learning more about head cycling or you, what's the best way to do that? Sure. So you can always go to our website, which is www.headcycling.com. You can go to our Instagram, headwheels.com. And if you want to get a hold of me personally, it's A-N-N-E at head h e d cycling.com yes in all cases head is spelled h e d not to be confused with the, the top of your head, head. <laughs> the top of your head or there is a company that is head which is more sports equipment so fantastic so uh instagram is head wheels correct came from you know head sun you know scandinavian so and shortened up a little bit shortened up a little bit when they got here yes so it is very Wonderful. nice to write checks 
<laughs> you, know, just, you know, you can't read half the writing, but it's super short. So, well, there's those efficiencies. Yeah. Thank you for spending the time with us, Anne, and letting us get to know you and sharing your insight and wisdom. And you are one special lady. And oh, thanks. Holding on to a legacy that has started with your husband, Stephen, and not holding on to it, but really elevating it. It's really incredible. Yeah. Some days you just go, okay, thank you. I made it. You wake up the next day yes. and do it all over again. Do it all yeah. over again. Yeah. Uh-huh. Thank you. Well, it was really good meeting you, Lisa. Katie and I haven't seen each other for a while, but um, yeah, maybe the, the next dream, right? That's could. right. That's yeah. right. Well, we have some offline work to talk, uh, yeah. to talk. So for now, we'll say our goodbye on the podcast. Okay. Until next time. That was worth the wait. Trying to get Anne scheduled in has been, she's a busy lady. And, uh, it worked out exactly when it was supposed to. Yes, she is a busy lady, but, you know, so interesting. And talk about somebody that, you know, doesn't stop, right? No, she really doesn't. doesn't. Curl up in a ball and say, poor me, poor me. She just takes that energy, like we talked about in the beginning, and balls it up and moves forward and figures out what she can do with it. So, And really, when you think of it, the efficiencies that, that that company has to work within, because look at who the end user is, especially when you're talking about triathlons and the tour de France, you have to be the most efficient in every possible way. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's really interesting. I mean, I am not a cyclist. I mean, I bike, you know, but I look around and I see the birds and the trees and how beautiful everything is, but that's not something I do. But when you, when you think about all that goes into every little aspect of a bike, it's Mm -hmm. really quite fascinating. And you don't know, we didn't talk uh, companies that have head tires uh, or head wheels on their bike. So she talked about fat tire right? That bike. And you see many, many of them on the road and they have the patent for that. There might be others. You, you may have a bike that has a head wheel and you don't even know it. Right. You're absolutely right. And also the free bikes, you know, like people who again are cleaning out their garages, they can donate those bikes. Absolutely. And there are many, if you go on the website, it will tell you where they have collection sites Uh, I know that we donated some to a bike shop shoot. I'm not going to remember the name of it right now. It's in Plymouth. And they took the bikes in for us and gave us a donation certificate, which was easy. So they have several of those. So if you go on the free bikes for kids website, you can find that. Uh, Also, when you're on the computer and looking at things, go to theviewinyourmirror.com. And you'll hear, uh, you'll be able to see all the different people that we have had the privilege to have conversations with and get an idea of all the different nonprofits that we have showcased over, what are we going on? We're three plus years, right? We are, Katie. We are season five. Unbelievable. So Lisa, if people want to get a hold of you, how do they do that? They can email me at lisa at wardrobeconsulting.net or they can go on my website, wardrobeconsulting.net. And I am katie at katieharms.com or katieharms.com is the website. 
And we thank you for sharing your time with us. And we know that you have many options, but we also want you to make sure you look in your mirror and realize just how incredible you are. Until next time. Yeah.